You are listening to Level Up with Yash, powered by Mystery Projects. Hello and welcome to episode number six of Level Up with Yash. Um, today, my my guest on the podcast is a powerhouse. There's no better word to describe him. If you've ever met Mike Watson in real life, you know how positive and empowering his presence is. And if you've ever had a conversation with Mike, chances are you went home with an idea or a thought that has stuck with you since then. Uh, Mike Watson is a leader and a thought provoker here in Charlotte and now in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, That's right. Uh, but to me, he's a friend, a mentor, and a role model. So welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. We were just talking a little bit before we recorded how we haven't been able to connect and see people like normal. And so this is a treat. So thank you for the invitation. Definitely. So last time when, when we did something like this, I said, uh, introduce yourself to the five people in Charlotte who don't know you. But uh, <laughs> since then, I feel like a lot of people, new people have moved to Charlotte. And, and also now in, in Colombia, people probably, you're still meeting new people every day. So for everybody who, who hasn't had a chance to meet you yet, just kind of give a, a brief info of who you are, what you do. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, so now the the wife and I are in Columbia, South Carolina. That's recent as of March. I accepted a professor role down here at the University of South Carolina, teaching in their retail department. Um, and we can get into that later. That was not planned, <laughs> which is kind of like how life is, no matter how, how much I try to uh, align everything I do with uh, purpose and meaning. Uh, sometimes other forces take over and, and we have to be flexible to do that. But um, education and being an educator has been something that's I've been doing for 20 years. So um, technically at a university level and 18, 19 of those years in Charlotte. Awesome. So that's where I had done that. And then prior to that was corporate. I was East Coast operations director for a couple different organizations. I and I did uh, visual merchandising and store design for large national retailers. Last year in Charlotte, I designed two salons, um, you know, while doing everything else. But, uh, I, you know, I think the best way to describe what I do is to constantly try to be in service so that I can help others. Um, but to do that through the tools of things I love. Which are? Which are educating uh, leadership uh, education and, uh, design, anything design related. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, um, I feel like the, like you said, the, the, the move to South Carolina was a bit sudden. So, um, right now everything is a bit uncertain for everybody. How are you, um, kind of coping and how would you, would you like suggest people to kind of make the, the best use of this uncertain time? Yeah. Well, in regards to to the move. Um, so on one hand, it was purposeful in the sense that I was looking for something new. So I was I was shifting. I still wanted to be in education, but I wasn't sure how that specifically looked or where that would end up. So um, I was at a point where I was willing to be open to possibility on a much broader spectrum. And I think that's a critical thing to do in moments of chaos, crisis, or uncertainty is to be open to possibility because we have a tendency when we're stressed or anxious, whether internally or because of external things that are going on like COVID 
or the political or economic environment, we have a tendency to shrink our perspective, our breathing, our, our possibilities. Then when exactly the opposite is necessary, we, we have to push past that desire to withdraw for security and expand for possibility. And, and so that's what I did. And the position in Columbia, a place I never thought I would live, it was never on any list I ever made, um, came about because somebody that had worked with me 15 years ago recommended me for a position. <laughs> so that's how powerful human interaction is, right? Like it didn't matter that I had applied for literally almost 100 jobs that I was totally qualified for right. and had multiple interviews in different organizations. And it was no, 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 for multiple reasons, uh, for six months. And then, and then I get a recommendation out of the blue from somebody I haven't seen in 15 years. And I get hired within two weeks. Nice. You know, so unless you're willing and open to what can be, then you will constantly struggle in what you desire or think should be. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so uh, what I... What I kind of wanted to really focus on today on this episode is um, just kind of helping people like myself. So saying 20-something, 30-somethings, or even older who are who are still looking for what they want to be when they grow up, right? So like for my, my personal example, I have so many different things that I do and I want to do and I can do, but uh, it's it sometimes it's a bit of a uh, an issue where well, what do I focus on? How do I find my quote-unquote calling, right? Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? There's, I do design, I do media production, I do all the different things. Sometimes it gets a bit bit too much, and, and I feel like I need to focus up, but what do I choose out of all, out of all these? So how do I, how do you suggest me and, and people like me to kind of navigate that decision? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good question, right? Um, and what I want to point out, first of all, is, not only for you, because you and I have talked, but mm-hmm. but anybody else that's going to be listening and hearing this and sharing this, which is, it's not uncommon and you're not alone. Mm-hmm. So don't feel like this struggle or this confusion or this, you know, this journey that you're on is somehow individualistic in the sense of you're the only one dealing with this confusion, but you're not. Uh, the Center for Disease Control a few years ago actually did a um, nationwide uh, survey. Don't know if you know this. Mm. Uh, and one of their main questions to Americans was, do you believe your life has a sense of purpose and well-being? And one, only one in five said yes. Oh. So, so we're not alone in this, in this, this desire and in, in this knowledge that we want something bigger than ourselves or want something purposeful, but on the other hand, don't know how to achieve it, define it, live into it. Like, so I think that's an important first thing to understand is we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> the second thing is um, there is absolutely nothing wrong, nor should you Uh, worry about the fact that you have multiple interests, things that you love to do. Um, That is not a detriment. Um, um, It is only becomes a problem, as you say, when you're not sure where to focus. So the fact that you love so many different things is not a problem. 
it only becomes a problem when you're trying to divide up time and understand, well, what is the value and how much time I place in whatever thing I love. And so I think we get into a false trap there of trying to choose a thing, what we love, so as to define our purpose, as opposed to peeling away all the layers of our bias and our perspective and things we've learned over the years to reveal our purpose. So for me, it's not so much finding a purpose, although that's the way it's worded more often than not. Right. It's about revealing our purpose to ourselves. Um, does that help? Um, I can go into some steps if you want. Or yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> that definitely helps. But if you want to go in, in a little bit more detail, that would yeah. really be really helpful. You know, um, and and I'll go back and forth. I can use my you know myself as an example as well because not unlike you, I have multiple interests and there's multiple things I love to do, and and forever society my parents, uh, the educational institutions, um, my bosses, everybody kept telling me to narrowly define who I was and to specialize because that's what success means. And although on one hand, they're correct that during that time when I was shaping my corporate career, narrowly defining your expertise is beneficial because it makes it easy on the other people about what you do, who you are and how to hire you and what you get paid, mm -hmm. but none of that was a direct link or correlation to what my purpose was. It was a element of success in a society we've constructed based on a narrow definition of what we believe to be success and purposeful. But the reality is that purpose doesn't lie in our job. Our, our jobs are tools by which we can express our purpose. Mm. So, I don't want you, and I've learned myself, not to worry about which one is right, which one is wrong. Should I have more interest? Should I have less interest? It's more about once we reveal our purpose to ourselves through self-awareness and analysis, then we can utilize whatever tool we want to express it. So my purpose, I'll just share with you, my purpose is to empower people as they navigate their life journey so they can stand in their brilliance. It's specific in action, which means I have to empower. That's purposeful for me. I also have to help people stand in their brilliance. So I'm supporting, I'm empowering, and my job is to remove barriers so they can do this. But I can do that as a college professor. I can do that as a uh, store designer. I can do that as a leadership consultant. It doesn't matter. Those are just tools, right? Those are just ways that I can effectively express and live into my purpose. So then the key becomes, well, which one do I pay attention to? Do I do corporate? Do I do education? Do I do design? These are all choices I had to make, right? The easiest way I can say how to decide where to place the majority of your time to focus is to think about the thing that you are willing to do every day and it brings joy to your life. I love a lot of different things, Josh. I love astronomy. I love traveling. I love, Jimmy, I mean, there are so many things that just bring me joy, mm -hmm. but I don't get up every day and could work at it. Right. 
I can deal with some of them a little bit, even design. I designed two stores last year for Charlotte, but those were side gigs. Those were things that I could not wake up and do every day and be happy because it's just, it doesn't serve my soul. Education is the thing that I can wake up every day. I'm never upset about going to work. I'm never tired to do it. I never tire of talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so this idea that I can weave leadership training through an educational portal to serve a purpose and remove barriers for others. That's how come I knew what my purpose was. So and that job with experience, is that what you're saying? It's just kind of, I, well, I think part of it is experience and that's the long route. <laughs> that's the route I took, right. Is the long route. Mm-hmm. I think you, you hasten that you, you can move through that much more quickly if you will take time to become self-aware and self-analyze, mm-hmm. if you will willingly look at yourself to understand how do I view the world, meaning what biases do I have? Mm-hmm. Because biases can create barriers for us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we're supposed to get rid of who we are or perspective, but it means we have to be aware of it. Right. Um, and so, the more that I was able to understand myself, that internal journey of peeling away the definition that I had took on about myself from my parents, peeling away the definition of what I took on by society, what says what a white man should be in our country, right? Like I had to like peel back all these things to really just get at the core of who I am. And, and, and that only reveals itself through that self-analysis, self-awareness, and that willingness to get good feedback. So the other thing I did, which I think would be really helpful, and it's an easy, easy thing to do, is find five people that you completely trust Mm -hmm. that will be authentic with you and won't lie to you. (laughs) So don't ask your parents, because like, (laughs) if I asked my mom, she would just be like, you're amazing. (laughs) And no matter what I do. So I had to find five people and I, and I created like a five question survey. And I just sent it to them via email. You can do it through Facebook. You can do it through whatever, right? And it said things like, what is the one uh, characteristic that you observe in me that you believe is the most powerful? What is the thing that I need to work on the most? What do you, you know, I mean, I just got very personal about trying to get feedback on who I am. And what was nice is on one hand, a lot of what people said reinforced what I believed about myself or strengths and things that I love. So that was kind of like, I didn't have to doubt myself about that anymore. Mm -hmm. That was like, check. I got good feedback. Way more beneficial though, was the things they said that I didn't think about myself. However, they were observing, Mm -hmm. right? So that clearly showed me my bias and my perspective where I was blocking out clearly identifiable characteristics about myself because it didn't fit fit the definition I wanted to have about myself. Mm. However, everybody else was seeing it. So so a word that I never used to use um, about myself in order to define myself or the work I do was authentic. I never thought of it. I never used it. And yet every single person I asked, it was one of their top two things they said about me. You know, they said one of the strengths of who you are is that regardless of the work you do when we speak with you or if we work with you, we never doubt the authenticity of what you do. Mm-hmm. You're always transparent, honest, and authentic with us. And I was like, wow, I never even thought 
in my deepest meditative states <laughs> that about myself. Do you know what I mean? I thought I was creative. I thought I was articulate. I thought I was, you know I mean? All these other things, mm -hmm. but I never looked at authenticity. And so for me, that was really powerful because then I had a new way to live into my purpose mm -hmm. and a new way to express it. But if I would never ask anybody for feedback and I don't want to do the work on myself, then you get trapped in the definition from external sources, society, uh, quizzes you take, <laughs> right. educators that teach you. Do you know what I mean like everybody's willing to define you mm -hmm. because it makes their life easier, <laughs> not your life, right? Like, so when you're on this journey to find purpose, part of the beauty of finding purpose is it does make your life easier. It, it doesn't mean bad things won't happen, but I never now doubt why I do what I do. Right. So when I make a decision now, because it's driven by my purpose to empower others and, and allow them to stand in their brilliance, because I know that's the funnel through which I decide, even if it doesn't work out how I thought it would, I never doubt why I made the decision. Mm -hmm. So I'm no longer crippled by that self-talk and that self-doubt that I used to have about, do I do this? Do I do this? Should I be over here? Should I be over here? Am I wasting my time? You know what I mean? Like all that talk goes away once you clearly define your purpose. And understand when I say clearly define, purpose for me and my experience and for anybody I consult with isn't static and stationary. So as you grow, it grows. As you change, it will change with you. So it's a constant process. It's not, that's why I don't like to say I found my purpose. Right. Because then that means I'm done. Right. The reality is you reveal your purpose. So if things are being revealed, it's ongoing. Mm. That's awesome. Uh, and one, one more thing that I always struggle with is, is well, honesty. And then uh, I kind of have thought about this and, and still don't know exactly where I stand on it is, is, is the word one, wannabe, right? So everybody oh. is a wannabe something, right? I, I want, sure. I, I'm a wannabe filmmaker, for example. Sure. Now, what I struggle with is, well, if you if you want to be something and you are not, well, being honest with yourself, like, are you actually who you want to be? Like, is that does that make sense? I, I don't know if I'm yeah. making sense or not. But yeah. what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, if you are not there yet, self analyzing yourself and being honest about it, uh, right? Is that is that a struggle or is that is that kind of a part of, of the, of the experience? Well, I think it is both. I think it's a struggle and it is part of the experience. Um, but I also think if we slightly shift our focus in that, in that statement, then we get a much better understanding and insight into how that struggle mm -hmm. can actually become meaningful in terms of realizing our purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, so let me see if I can explain it a little bit better. Um, so we're all on this journey and we're all very excited um, about finding our purpose, um, what we want to do with our lives. Like you said, I want to be a filmmaker, what we want to do with our lives. Um, but that gets mixed in, I believe, with this desire to satisfy this external idea of who we should be. I should be a filmmaker because I love filming because I like, you know what I mean? Like, right. Okay. 
but like that's different than saying what I want to do with my life is to make films so as to illuminate the struggle of minorities in Western society. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. They're both filmmaking, but on one hand, now I have a purpose. Mm. And so then what you can do, even if you're not quote unquote a filmmaker yet, what you can then do then is to take action that is meaningful in service of that vision, that purpose. And I think that's one of the biggest things. If your purpose isn't somehow tied into service of others, then you don't have a purpose, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Our purpose is to serve something greater than ourselves, not to serve ourselves. Mm. So unless I'm doing what I love in service of others, then it's difficult for me to fully live into my purpose. I can partially feel successful, I can randomly come upon success and good times and things at work, but it's not going to be consistent if I'm not in service. So if your desire is to be a filmmaker, one, reveal why it is you even care about being a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Beyond being creative, beyond all that, what do you serve, right? right? What is it that you're going to serve? Um, and then by, by doing that, start doing things in support of that. Um, helping others, you know, taking certifications and things in humanitarian documentary films to like, I don't know, yeah. but like, all I know is that every time I do something for others, whether it's the smallest thing or the largest expression mm -hmm. at some point in my life, it comes back to better define my purpose and help me along the way. And that, one, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, no, go ahead. just one last thing, because a trap you can fall into, I did, was just real quick, is that to be in service doesn't mean to seek approval. Hmm. So, so don't, don't conflate the two, right? Like um, we get into, when I say we, I mean, a lot of people in Western society live a life of seeking approval. I want to do well so as I can be um, recognized by others. And, and that's a powerful thing that will drive people to do really good things. But it also means that you're never satisfying yourself because you're always seeking outward for, for approval. And so when I say that we need to do things in service of others, that means with boundaries. That means in clearly defined spaces. That does not mean that you just give, give, give arbitrarily and open yourself to abuse, manipulation, dissatisfaction. That's why that self-awareness and self-love is so important in the beginning. Awesome. Um, and then one more thing that, that kind of goes hand in hand with that is, is patience, right? So um, mm. finding answers to all these questions would take time. Uh, like you said, it would reveal um, as you go along. So, I mean, yes, I've tried meditation. I've tried like exercises, quote unquote, to kind of be more patient, but it, it helps <laughs> in, in a certain way. But, but, I mean, as everybody knows, it, it takes about 21 days to form a new habit. So patience is also a, a habit that, that people need to form, right? Um, any, any tips on, on how to be a little bit more patient beyond meditation or, or just something people can exercise all throughout the day and not just 10 minutes? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I think meditation and physical exercise and, and, and any other thing that you might uh, think of or read about, 
these are all positive things to do. I don't think you should not do them. Right. Um, um, but I, what I don't think we should do is expect all our answers from doing those things and or that the results, i.e. being more patient, is going to be a result of doing meditation. It can be, right. but maybe not for you, mm-hmm. right? For others, it can be. But I also don't think meditating once in a while is hurting you. I think it is helping. Even if you don't do it consistently, right. um, there, there's a benefit, right? Now, there's a greater benefit if you do it consistently, but I, I also don't think it's the thing. I don't think there's any one thing. Right. Um, I think patience is something that is, to repeat myself, first of all, understood through the lens of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Because how I'm going to become more patient is completely different than how you're going to become more patient. Because what drives you is different than what drives me. You know, the hangups I have from my childhood are different than what you dealt with. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like we, and until we unpack and un, unlayer and, and become more self-aware, it's hard to understand how we can then work to be more patient because we are all uniquely brilliant and different. And so not every one thing works the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, with all that being said, um, what has worked for me is this thing that I teach and, and that I, I utilize in my own life, which I call active patience. Mm. The reason I like to have the word active in front of patient is because I'm somebody that likes to do things. <laughs> I'm a doer. I like solving things. It intrigues me. I like, uh, I, I'm in service, right? So a lot of who I am is energy that is going outwards, active right? I also love immediate gratification. I love seeing the results of my actions. Mm -hmm. So by default, I'm not the most patient person because I know if I love immediate gratification and I know if I love doing more than being, then by default, my pathway to patience is going to be more difficult than somebody that is innately more patient because of their willingness to be self-aware and to be alone, right? <laughs> like, exactly. Or whatever. Um, so I like active patience, which means I like to take action in alignment with my purpose. So whether it's teaching, uh, connecting to people that didn't know each other so that I can help them both elevate, whatever I do, I take an action, but then not to be anxious about the result to learn to wait for the result, Mm. right? So that's the patient part. So patience for me has become this this practice by where I can support my desire to do something and then just look for and wait for results and not to try to anticipate them and not to try to force them. I can force results because I'm anxious Mm -hmm. and Sometimes that works, but more often than not, it won't. (laughs) So um, that ability to look for signs that the actions you took are meaningful has allowed me to become more patient. Mm -hmm. So like we started the interview with, I said the reason I got this new job in Columbia was because of something, somebody I'd met 15 years ago and worked with, Mm -hmm. right? 
I called her once I found out she was the one that recommended me. And I was like, why did you recommend me? We haven't even talked to each other in 15 years. I mean, I'm grateful, but why? And she went into this, you know, five minute explanation of things I had done for her at work. Mm -hmm. Things I never even remembered doing, to be honest with you, like little things, but it were meaningful to her. Mm -hmm. Right. But so that's the power of service because I did something for her. There were results later. Now, I'm not saying we have to wait 15 years for the result. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the the power of patience for me is in the knowledge that when I take purposeful action, that there also has to be a time for that to reveal itself Mm -hmm. fully. And it might be five minutes, might be five days, might be five years. But I know that if every day I take purposeful action, but then also try not to rush the result that it will happen. Um, So that's anyway, that's how I practice patience. And I do do meditation, but I'm not the best meditator by any stretch of the imagination. And I exercise and I hike and I do all these other things that try to support the idea of patience because I always want to work on myself, but I, I don't identify any one of those things to be the answer. It's those are support mechanisms that create a foundation that allow me to breathe through the day when I want to force a result and remind myself, just wait, it's happening, right? And like the more aware you are, the more you can see how what you've done is taking shape. And then it's much easier to be patient because you see the result. I know you, I don't, I don't know everything you've done in your life, but I, I guarantee you if you and I sat down and talked specifically about some things that you've done in service and some actions you've taken, if we tracked when they revealed themselves, you would see the results of your actions. Mm. And then if you remind yourself about that, then you're going to be willing to be patient because you've done it before, right? It's that habit you were talking about. Right. So I've seen so many successes due to service in my life that I'm much more patient now because I know it's going to happen. What's difficult is if you don't have a lot of things built up, right? If I don't have a lot of examples built up, but you do. You're, I mean, anybody that's 20 or 30 has multiple examples whereby they can look back and say, this worked because of this. Right. And therefore, I'm just patient again. I know that I'm capable, I'm intelligent, and I'm purposeful. So it will work. Hmm. And that's what you have to believe in, right? It's that balance between that desire to see factual observable things and, and the faith Hmm. to, to let the unseen reveal itself to you in support of those. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely, definitely helpful. Um, And then the last thing that I've, I want to kind of talk to you about without taking much of your time is uh, humility and connection. Now they're, they they go kind of hand in hand in, in, in my uh, experience, especially in terms of, um, let's say professional networking and, and stuff like that. Uh, we know now that that the old ways of doing things of handing out business cards and stuff does not actually work because business cards are just going to end up in, in a trash can somewhere if you have, didn't really make a connection when you when you actually spoke to the person. And um, you and I both are, are fans of, of Seth Godin uh, and he, he calls right the, the time right now connection economy, right? Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, is there anything that that you would like to kind of share with with our listeners and myself uh, that not not in terms of like faking connection but is there anything that we can kind of actively do that can 
ensure a better connection with whoever we, we kind of encounter uh, in our in our networking events or even just day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few things there. And, 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 and to your point about with what Seth is discussing nowadays about the economy and, and our society, I have been saying for a while, which is it, it doesn't matter how much external things change in business. At the end of the day, people want to be seen and heard. And uh, if we are not willing to make authentic, I'll use that word <laughs> now that I'm used to using it. If we're not willing to make authentic connections, then, then we're never going to re- fully realize the power of what, whatever it is that we're doing, right? Humility is a part of that, to your point. You're, to, to your point, you're one of the most humble people I've ever met. Oh, thank you. And, you're, and for that reason, there's, there's an automatic deepening of connection when one interacts with you because there's not a sense of Yash is out to get something, right? Like there's this safe zone in which I can engage and interact with you. So what you do with humility is that it removes barriers of doubt Mm -hmm. and it allows the connection process to speed up, right? So my willingness to trust you, to believe in you and to work with you accelerates because you are humble. And with humility become, you have authenticity, right? And transparency. And so that's what connection is all about. I, I don't have to like dig through the layers and is, is he putting on a show? Do you know what I mean? Is this person who he says he is? Uh, you know, the, the more transparent, authentic and humble somebody is, it's easier to connect with them. So therefore the truth is the same about us. Mm-hmm. If I am transparent, authentic, have integrity, do you know what I mean? And, and don't put on any kind of like false persona, then the engagement and connection process speeds up Mm. and is much deeper and long lasting, right? We all know this, like it's the same reason people, I mean, my whole doctoral dissertation was on leadership and engagement. (laughs) Like, and, and I can tell you that People don't engage when they don't feel safe or they don't feel like they're being heard, mm. right? And so if somebody's, if your leader or your friend or your parents or whoever, your, your person you're dating, if they're not authentic and, and transparent and they don't hear you and see you, no matter how much you might love them, you will never fully be engaged with them because you can't, because they're not fully there. <laughs> so there's, so on one hand, being humble and authentic and transparent and having integrity is very vulnerable. So it's unsafe and it makes you anxious because you don't want to be manipulated, used, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, hurt. But that's why you have to know who you are. And that's why you have to be confident in yourself And that's why you have to remember that other people's actions have nothing to do with you. Mm. One of the best things I ever learned is not to take anything personally, no matter what anybody else says or does stop putting that through the filter of it was done to me. Mm. Right. It wasn't, they did what they did because of who they are. Right. And it's their story. And so don't judge that, but also don't take it on, Mm -hmm. you know, because the minute you take it on, then you get pushed out of your purpose and now you're living in anxiety and stress and doubt and all these other things. And then you start doing things for their approval versus your purpose. Mm. 
Um, but connection and engagement are driven by authenticity. And you can't do that to your point by handing out a card, by um, becoming an influencer on Instagram, <laughs> by, like the, you know, nothing about that says authenticity. So if I can't be with you physically, what we're doing right now is an amazing substitute. Mm -hmm. We're having an authentic conversation, uh, you know, where we're willing to share a space together and then share this information with others. So that's very, not only being humble and and transparent, but it's also very vulnerable. We're going to share ourselves with others, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And so... But the more you realize vulnerability is a strength and that nobody can do anything to you that you don't want them to do, then it doesn't matter. And all it does is increase engagement. And it doesn't mean everybody's supposed to be in your life. It doesn't mean everybody's supposed to be there for any length of time. I'm a big believer that people enter and exit our lives when necessary. Mm. And sometimes they're there for 30 years and sometimes they're there for 30 minutes and we never see them again. (laughs) And whatever it is, take advantage of that time, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm opening a door for you um, to go into a building, or if I'm working with you on a five-year project, I should be just as authentic in each instance. People notice that. My students, when I walk into the classroom, studies show that students only take five seconds to determine whether or not they trust the professor <laughs> the first time they meet him. That's it, five seconds. So I've got five seconds. So before my first day of any class, before I walk into the room, I pause and I quietly just remind myself to be in service to them, that I'm here for them and for myself and to be purposeful. And then I walk into the room and by default, my energy, who I am, the way I stand, the way I walk, everything about me says I'm in service Mm. and I am, and I am authentic and I am safe. And by default, they trust me. And then they, then they are open to looking for more signs that I'm trustworthy as opposed to automatically putting up a barrier and doubt. Mm. Does that make sense? Definitely does. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. And, and that last part about, uh, about just taking a minute to even, you know, anytime you enter a new room or anytime you're kind of in a new, like a newer situation, just taking a minute to kind of reevaluate and just kind of reset uh, definitely uh, helps a lot. And I don't do it enough. And I feel like this is a good reminder to actually actively practice that. Yeah. um, It's one of my favorite practices before a meeting, before this call, you know, I mean, even though I know you, I still did it. Um, It doesn't matter because I can easily get out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm here for you, that I'm not worrying about five other things and then jumping on the call, right? right. I need to be here with you and for you. Mm. Uh, and that's true, um, you know, at a new meeting, at a new job, at a new interaction. And Yash, it is so powerful, even with your people that you know, and you're even working. So I've been in meetings where it gets tense <laughs> and there's conflict, which is okay because we're all different. That's going to happen. Right. But I literally, if I will just sit there and start to resonate, we're here for each other. We're going to figure this out. It's a purposeful thing we're doing. I don't say a word. I just get quiet. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how quickly levels of tension calm down. Mm -hmm. And and people still have difference of opinion, which is totally good. We should. 
But now it's no longer personal attacks. Now it's, aren't there three different ways we could approach to solve this? Hmm. And so I'm not trying to get woo woo or out here to right. mean, but, but the, we all know that when people walk into the room, it changes the presence of the room. You can walk into a room and notice, whoo, somebody's upset and nobody has said anything. Right. And you can walk into a room and say, wow, seems to be a lot of happy people in here. And again, nobody has said anything. So there is a, you know, there's that energetic awareness that we have, but you can set that. That's what's so important about engagement is that you can set that tone. And by default, even if somebody's upset and wants nothing to do with you, <laughs> will not be able to ignore the authentic transmission of your thoughts that you're giving them, which is, I'm here to serve. I'm here on a purpose. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it's just, it's powerful. Awesome. Uh, I mean, Mike, I can I can sit here and, and talk to you for hours, uh, but I know you have other things to do during the day as well, and I won't take take a lot more time. But I would love to have you again sometime soon, uh, and and I'm sure I'm going to have more questions for you uh, <laughs> as as I navigate through this. So, uh, but thank you for for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, always gives me things to think about, things to to work on. So, I really appreciate that. And a quick plug um, is is your online course on leadership is that still available that one is not i was okay. i was i shut that one down because i was going to rework some things so okay. i'm actually shifting into finishing my book right now so i'm three-fourths of the way through a book that i'm writing on uh, heart-centric leadership awesome so, so be on the lookout for that um yep. you you being on the on the back end of that that, that course i know that it's such great valuable information so the book's going to be really valuable so be on the lookout for that and uh dr mike watson i, I forgot to introduce you as doctor before it's fairly new um so <laughs> yeah dr mike watson thank you for taking the time out uh really appreciate you and uh we'll be back next week with another guest and uh another um topic to navigate so thank you thank you well, that is it for today's episode of Level Up with Yash. If you'd like to follow along on all the behind-the-scenes action, you can follow me on Instagram at yashyog, Y-A-S-H-Y-O-G. Or if you'd like to follow my design and media production work, you can follow me at Mystery Projects on Instagram, M-I-S-T-R-Y Projects. Or you can visit my portfolio site, which is mysteryprojects.com, M-I-S-T-R-Y Projects.com. Yeah, thank you for listening in again. Have an awesome rest of your day. And you will hear from us again next week with a brand new guest.